Welcome to By the Glass, a podcast dedicated to boozy beverages and the people who make and drink them. I'm your host, Chris Paldoyan. Minimal intervention farming and winemaking in Germany can trace its roots back all the way to the Middle Ages, when Cistercian monks maintained the country's viticulture. In 1910, when the VDP's predecessor was founded, it was named the Association of German Natural Wine Auctioneers. But fast forward to now, and the word natural wine and its aesthetic is more closely tethered to other European countries. So how does German winemaking's specificity fit into the ethos of minimal intervention? In this episode, we'll chat with Jochen Bierer, the owner and winemaker of Weingut Bierer in Württemberg, as well as Jenna Fields, the founder of the German Wine Collection, the GWC, to hear about the past, present, and future of German natural wine. To begin this episode, I thought it would be good for us to start on a producer level. And some of the most exciting wines coming out of Germany are from the southwestern grape-growing regions of Baden and Württemberg, collectively known as the Swabia. With geological and historical connections to Italy, France, and Switzerland, this unique part of Germany makes delicious red wines from grapes like Trollinger and Lemberger, as well as expressive white wines. In addition to this varietal diversity, there's a commitment to detail-oriented viticulture, and no one exemplifies this more than Jochen Bührer. A former BMX champion, Jochen has dedicated himself to organic and biodynamic winemaking in Württemberg. Imported to the USA by Von Boden, Weigut Bier has been Demeter certified for over a decade and is one of the most reliable producers in the region. I wanted to hear on a producer level how Jochen views viticulture and vinification, and he was kind enough to make time for me in the midst of vineyard work to discuss biodiversity and his secret love for entomology. I wanted to learn specifically his approach to biodynamic farming and natural winemaking when it comes to grapes like Dornfelder, Portugieser, Trollinger, Lemberger, and I wanted to learn a little bit about BMX. So here's our interview. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, sorry, sorry for the, to to find the. It's too late to find the, the, um, the time to <laughs> to conversation. So we had a little bit work, and and we we was uh, Nikolai and me. We were for downhill this weekend, uh, downhilling. Oh, fun! And so it was great for us, and yeah, so it's a bit of hol- holiday time, and we leave tomorrow morning for for the holiday for two weeks, and so now I found the f- time today. <laughs> well, are you? You said some downhilling. Are Are you still riding your bike? Uh, this weekend again, since uh, a lot of years break. <laughs> so yeah, we a uh, friend of mine where uh, which uh, had uh, my last years for downhilling uh 15 years ago 20 years ago wow uh so um he, he built a bike park and in the in the mountains in the mountains and uh wow. Nicole and me we had so great time this weekend and float rails and downhills and jumps and all the stuff so now my my knees and my muscles are all hurting <laughs> that's super cool so how did you get into cycling in the first place i know BMX was a big part of your life before you got into wine. How, how did yeah. you discover that? Uh, my BMX time was from, uh, I think, from 1984 to 1992. 1992, I was uh, the BMX champion, European champion in BMX race. And then uh, I changed into mountain bike and, and downhill races. And so uh, it was... Um, 
yeah, it was a great time. And then uh, my my profession starts to to make wine and to work in the vineyard, and I had not the time for for cycling more. So because the cycling the the cycling thing was too more profession, more and more profession, and so for me it was to to uh, decide where I had to go to to work in wine or to go for mm-hmm. cycling. <laughs> So I decided to go to the wine side. Maybe fewer injuries, maybe a little less risky to do winemaking compared to cycling. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. It'll be not not that risk. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I I can feel it after the weekend. So it it hurt all the muscles, and and so it's easier to to go in go in wine. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. That's funny. Well, so you said you stopped uh, kind of pursuing BMX professionally in 1992? Yeah, in 1992, I was the BMX, the European champion. And then I uh, changed into the mountain bike uh, scene and, and had a great time in downhilling and downhills. And uh, we, we, make sh- we make shows for to jump over cars and, and like the stuff. And so um, some mm-hmm. days, though, there was a, a thinking about what's going wow. on when you jump from from one ramp to the others and and you land after 50 meters on a two square meter ramp so you think about what's going on there and mm-hmm. when you think about to to reach the two square meters landing ramp mm-hmm. you have to stop <laughs> that was the, this was the, the the point yeah that's crazy you know um I, my biggest injuries that I've had, my biggest scars on my body are always from cycling. You know, um, definitely had some big wipeouts when I was younger. So, so then you found yourself making wine in Württemberg. Um, and I've had your wines here in Texas. They actually work very well for the Texas climate. Uh, here, it's so hot and humid. A glass of Weisstrocken is like the perfect wine for right now. So, and we have... Yeah, yeah that's a... It's a fresh, fresh white wine, and and you can see the white labels. The white labels are always yeah. uh, like the breakfast wines, you know. It's it's oh really it's good for hot hot days, and yeah, it's good for hot days. It's lower in alcohol, fresh fruit, fresh acidity, and so it's it's more the uh, the wines with the white labels are more the, the breakfast wines, the easy drinking wines, and and that's you need you need for hot temperature and um, drinking glass by glass you know i gotta imagine in the late 80s and early 90s bmx was really starting to take off you know now it's much more common than it was then i gotta imagine being the first generation of bmx cyclists that had to be pretty cool yeah yeah, it was the the first time now it's olympic and so the the bmx races well they are now olympic and so for us was the the time to 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 watch out for for what's going on in the US and and we always read some BMX um, BMX uh, magazines from the US and all the parts came from from the US to to Germany yeah so we, we were vans you know so it was a, just the beginning of the <laughs> the the cool scene and the, the BMX scene yeah so maybe we can start by talking a little bit about where the winery is in Württemberg and why Württemberg. Um, and Swabi as a whole is really special. Yeah, the, uh, our winery is um, around 15 kilometers east from Stuttgart. Stuttgart in the, in the south part of Germany. Yeah, the most people they knew Stuttgart from Mercedes or Porsche or Bosch or any companies. And we we our winery mm-hmm. is 15 kilometers out east from Stuttgart. It's uh, the called Remstal, mm-hmm. like Rems the river, Rems Valley. And um, yeah, it's it's a valley with around 1,000 hectares wine. And uh, we we settled down in in Stetten. It's a small neighbor, uh, side valley from the Rennstal with um, 
with vineyards and hills facing west-southwest or facing east-southeast. So it's always in our small village. So our village is around 100 hectares here, and uh, our winery, we have 13 and a half hectares. So it's a small part, but um, that's normal for the region. There are not that big uh, wineries mm. with over 30 or 50 hectares. So that's the biggest wineries are have 35 hectares, I think, so in, in our region. And Württemberg for all is more more red wines, but here in the Remstal, uh, it's a little bit more. We have also reds, but Stetten special is more the white wines, white varieties, um, because our I told you um, our vineyards are facing west southwest or, or east southeast, and so you have always a little bit more wind, or you have the in the southeast facing vineyards you have more the morning sun, and in the evening because the sun goes behind the hill behind the forest, and so you have a little bit earlier the shadow, the shadow and uh, yeah it cools a little bit earlier down for the evening. So uh, our village is more special for the white wines or for the. I think for the light, fresh kind of the of red wines. So something that's really interesting is you obviously make a lot of very delicious Riesling, and we'll taste one of them today. But mm -hmm. you also work with varieties like Sylvaner and Muller Turgau, and Muller Turgau is a great variety that, at least in the United States, the way that we're always taught about it is that it was a cross that was made for kind of its ease in farming that it produced higher yields, it ripened a little bit earlier. You know, we learn about it from a utilitarian standpoint. And I'm curious for you, what do you like about Muller-Turgau? What are its unique qualities in terms of aromas and flavors and texture and structure? Yeah. So the, the, the varieties which, which are in the in the Weiss also, they, they, it's Muller-Turgau, it's Silvana, it's Muscaris. And we have the, the vineyards with this uh, aromatic aromatic grapes. They they are all a little bit in a higher altitude. So our vineyards between 280 meters and 400 meter uh, above the sea. And uh, so it's it's a slowly ripening, and and you have always a little bit more freshness and and fresh fruits in this in this high altitude vineyards. And so I think when when the Milotoga, you 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 plant the Milotoga in a deep soil in a lower lower altitude. The, they're going to to show you a little bit more fatness and a little bit more more well, uh, stronger aromatic, more body and yeah, more fatness in the body, and and so from our our high altitude vineyards is always kind of a little bit more crispy and a little bit more more fresh more body and yeah, more, more elegant in this in this uh, varieties. So for me, it's more and more common to to have the the white uh, um, the white varieties. In a higher altitude vineyards, so you get more freshness. So the for the climate warming, it's also our high altitude vineyards is always at the moment it's perfect. You can harvest really late, and you can get always a kind of fresh fruit and, and crispy acidity, and uh, always a, a <laughs> yeah. What should I say? It is always a little bit more more. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's always a little bit more brightness in these wines. Yeah. And Silvaner is also a really unique variety. So, but, but it's the same for, for the Silvaner. If you have the Silvaner in, uh, in, in deep, deep soils and uh, too hot climates, uh, it's always to, to go in uh, like a little bit more flat, um, more, yeah, more, not, not that, not that um, the, playful, the playful tasting in, in this wine. Mm -hmm. So it's going more to the, to the Franken, the Franken um, uh, area or here in the Remstal. I think there is a little bit more that the climate is not that hot, and so you get more more the spicy and the fruits mm -hmm. from the Silvana, and not the, the fat character of the 
of the um, yeah deep soil savannas. Mm -hmm. So maybe now's a good time for us to talk a little bit about um, kind of the difference between biodynamics and organics, because I know that you have both certifications. So always you start always uh, you have to to be biodynamic. You have to 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 get also the organic the organic certification, and then you go to the different to the different uh, companies to say, okay, for me it's to to work biodynamic. It's more more necessary to to. So looking what's going on in the plants and, and so it's always a combination of the organic certification and the biodynamic certification that's it's both together yeah so when you think about those two things they, they really do work in tandem with one another like if you want to explain to listeners people listening to the podcast how would you kind of describe the difference between those two things so in the, in the organic farming it's it's always to to work without any chemical fertilizer you you work without uh, chemicals um, sprayings and no herbicides all, all the stuff in the, in the winemaking and also you in the organic you you use uh, for example you use uh, a yeast or organic yeast or you use uh, any uh, different different things in cellar for for winemaking but in the biodynamic working it's a little bit more so so you look in the biodynamic working you look always for the biodiversity in the vineyard so it's always necessary to get um to get plants in the in the between the the wine rows you get um different flowers so you you, you can um make a better a better um region for the for the insects and the roots are always going deep in the soil and and so it's a composition between the roots from the wine and the roots from the herbs and the flowers so it's be always to to work against the the bio uh, the, the monoculture mm -hmm. that's something that's very important to you right is having biodiversity in the vineyard with flowers other plants yeah. um not having a monoculture yeah that's it's very very necessary thing so and uh, the uh, really really um important part for us is to 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 the pruning time it's always to to use the 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 moon phase which going down and and so because the moon is always uh, had a, a big um uh it's a big reason to for the for the wines well, that's not the right about words but it's always a big part for the wines because uh, the moon is is working mm -hmm. with water so you, you got the, the water who catch the water and who press the water down so I, we always use the the faith which the water is down go back to the roots to for the pruning for example and also for bottling times it's always to use the the moon phases which which are going down we use it for bottling also for the wines because it's always the wines are a little bit more compact not so not so uh flippy yeah yeah how did you discover biodynamic farming? Like, was it something that was important to you the moment you started making wine, or was it something that you learned in your own journey? So it's um, I start first to work organic, and then it then you can feel that there is something going on in nature when you work um, organic, and so you you always you have to be open to to see other other things, and uh, you have to see, to be open to work to other wineries to other wine farmers. For example, for for wineries who works uh, since many years uh, before uh, biodynamic, and if you talk to them and go to to the vineyard, and then you can feel that there is any uh, big um, big electricity in this vineyard, which uh, going to to catch you. And that was for me the point. So I started working in 2004 with uh, working organic, and visit some some winery, uh, some friends in in Alsace, and we had 
Yeah, so I, I went to the vineyards and had a, a great time with them to talk about what's going on with the biodynamic working. And so it was to, to open my mind to see, oh, there is something spiritual. So it's great to, to feel the energy, the energy in the vineyards. And then I read a lot of about biodynamic farming. And uh, then I start with a small part working biodynamic. And so it's going step by step. And in 2008, I start to work completely with uh, biodynamic farming. And I can see that uh, there is something changing in the vineyard. So it's more the, the, the wines are more relaxed and not so, so growing and go down. So, so they are a little bit smoother. The weights are a little bit smoother than for the to, to work with the weather also. Yeah, I imagine that it's challenging because it's not the sort of thing that you can see immediate responses because farming, it's not something that, you know, is a switch that you turn on overnight and immediately changes. It's a gradual process, yeah? Yeah, you need time for it, a long, long, long time. So my daddy always said they had a, the, the big farming t uh, time from my daddy was in the 70s. And in the 70s, they, they came out uh, the, the chemical fertilizers, the chemical sprayings and all the stuff. And so, but my daddy uh, works with me when I, I started a winery in 1997, before we was in the cooperative. And my daddy was the chief of the cooperative. And uh, we, we had, uh, yeah, we, we always worked together and he, he trusts always in me, I think so. And it was so helpful to, to work mm -hmm. bio, uh, organic and biodynamic to my, my, my daddy was behind me and he supports me in working biodynamic. And he always said, because he was mm -hmm. all day in the vineyard and he always said, hey, there is something going on in our vineyards. There is something changing. There is something more relaxing in our vineyards, and that was the, the most the most important uh, mm -hmm. important part for me to say to get uh, the answer from a man who works the whole year with the chemical fertilizers all, and he was really proud of them to work with them. But uh, then he he follows me, and he said, "Hey, there is something going on. That's great." <laughs> That's super cool. And it seems like there's more and more of a change, more of an acceptance for this style of farming and winemaking, we're seeing an increase in the number of biodynamic, organic, natural wines, at least in the United States. And I'm sure for you, originally learning a lot of this from Alsatian winemakers, and now there's another generation of German winemakers that are probably learning from you. Yeah, so I think it's a working together and, and uh, also going forward together, that, that's uh, the, the most part. So uh, in, in the biodynamic working, you're always in a, in a trading of your informations and trading of your questions uh, with other wineries. And, and that's the most important, uh, those the most important, important part. So you, you uh, I think there is no special first man or, or second man and and so i think we work together that's the, the most part and so you can forward for the for the future to to say hey that's great and because i always say that the 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 conventional farmers they always work like this you see it's just mine no no other things <laughs> they got blinders on they, yeah, so yeah. On the side. and then the, the organic farmers they're a little bit more open they say, okay, let's uh, let's look at la the right side and let's look at the left side. What's going on there? And the biodynamic farmers, they're completely open. Mm -hmm. They say, hey, came to me and we talk about our working and I will come to you and we, we, we talk about your working. And, and that's a part of the certification also to talk with others for, for, for going forward. 
that's the most part. And, and so always we, we are always in contact with different uh, wineries uh, who, who works uh, biodynamic. So there's a lot of collaboration between different biodynamic farmers within Germany. Yeah. Are there specific uh, challenges that you find farming uh, these varieties like Riesling, Müller-Turgau, Weissburgunder, Trollinger, compared to farming biodynamically with other varieties? So it's, uh, no, I think it's always be the, the, the most important part is to, to get a, the, uh, a healthy soil and a healthy microclimate in the vineyard. That's the most important point. So it, it doesn't matter which variety is inside the vineyard. So uh, I think, uh, for example, Riesling is a little bit stronger against some some fungus or so, mm -hmm. but uh, or trolling or it's a little bit more sensible for for fungus. So maybe it's a little bit. But the most part, mm -hmm. the most important part is to 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 keep the the soil health and healthy and uh, to to get the the, the balance in the vineyard and works. So, so it's more also for the the climate changing at the moment. It's always more 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 and more important to to work. Uh, biodynamic because um, so the the biodynamic vineyards are always a little bit more relaxed about a hot hot time and a dry time in the during the, the period the, the um, yeah the, the the summer period it's it's always um, a little bit more relaxed than the other vineyards you can see if you have a gulf gulf grass in the in the in the vineyard and herbicides under the vines it's always like uh, it shows always like a desert. You know, there's nothing. And if you work with a bit higher grass and, and uh, flowers, herbs, all the stuff, um, it's always when you feel inside the, the greening, you can feel there is a little bit more coolness, a little bit more shadow on the soil. And so you can keep the water better inside the soil and you get a better better microclimate in the vineyard than you have a desert or a roof grass in the So so actually having these other plants uh will help kind of moderate temperatures a little bit better than if you didn't have any of that to begin with. Yeah, yeah. So it's really really important to to get uh, the biodiversity in the vineyard and also for the insects and when you have just the the, the fresh cutting grass there is no insect inside uh, the vineyard and so it's always when when there is no insect uh, insects maybe they can come for example other other different insects from from foreign countries or so in into your vineyard that that's really interesting to think about but you're right there there are certainly insects that are important to have in the vineyard that can protect against you know the more like pest related insects. Yeah. So maybe this would be a good time for us to talk about some of your red wine, because, you know, what's really special about grape varieties like Trollinger and Lemberger, you know, they're grapes that have been grown in your region for such a long time, but um, I think are relatively new to a lot of uh, maybe American audiences. You know, I love yeah. Trollinger. Um, I love it from when it from Germany. I like it when it's from Italy called Schiava. And your wine that you make, your Trollinger, is like very refreshing and light. And you also make a Lemberger GG, which I've never had a Lemberger GG before. Maybe we can talk a little bit about those two grapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trollinger, Trollinger is for us, it's a real local local grape here. And it's an autochton uh, variety, I think so, in, in our region. And Trollinger, they always uh, had a lot of big, big, um, big clusters. clusters and big uh, berries. And uh, so it's always a, a very thin, thin skin, 
with a blue mm-hmm. color, I think. So, so it's not a colorful, colorful, powerful rarity. So I, and, and so for me, it's always to, to see the, the, the variety. Um, so then, uh, how it shows you. So it's always to, to have a Lamborg, for example, it's always a little bit more, more pepper, more, more spices, more, more deep fruit in the skins. And drawing is always a little bit like a lighter fruit, a fresh fruit, a lighter color. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I have, I think, okay, you can't make from a Trollinger a big red wine. That's not possible. I think so in, in a normal way. <laughs> and so, uh, for, for Lemberger, you can make very good, big red wines, good structure wines with Lemberger. And so it's for me always to make a Trollinger like a Trollinger. And not, not like a like a big red wine. So for me, it's a special category. You know, you have the white wines, the rosé wines, the Trollinger, and the red wines. <laughs> so that's for me always. I work with the Trollinger, also with a skin skin fermentation, uh, always with uh, by um, malolactic fermentation in the in the barrels. Uh, I start them for uh, for seven eight months in in all the barrels, and so it's uh, it's also a good structure. But Trolling is always lighter in color, uh, in, in alcohol and lighter in color. So we have uh, between 11, 11.5 or 10 and a half uh, um, alcohol, mm-hmm. for example, uh, with a light color. And that's for me to trolling. You can, you can serve them a little bit more chilled. And, and so it's uh, for me always a more a kind of yeah freshness in this wine yeah. uh so accentuating that inherent freshness to trollinger does that mean fully destemming? do you incorporate stems at all is it common to do just a very light maceration across the board for trollinger just to accentuate that really fresh quality uh yeah we we uh not normally we don't do uh, don't make a destemming for the for the grapes. All our white wines, for example, they mesh by feet and uh, no destemming, and because the the stems bring you also a little bit more structure in the in the wines. So I also make a, a blend of different styles mm-hmm. in the drawing. I, I destem a small part, but the the, the bigger and the main part is. Um, uh, with, with the stems and just uh, cracking a little bit the, the, the grapes by feet, just just a small pressure, and then we do the more the, the lighter uh, fermentation on skins. We have um, <clears throat> yeah a fermentation with nearly whole berries, and that uh, brings you always a fresh fruit and, and always a yeah fresh aromatic in this wine. So so Trollinger, you were saying, is much more like fresh, bright, lighter, maybe a more casual drinking wine. And Lemberger for you is the more serious, more structured red. Um, yeah. That one you were saying maybe a little more oak usage on or m- more big so the, character. The, the drawing is also in older barrels, but for the Lemberger GG, I use a little bit more newer barrels. Not not. It's always uh, 30% of new barrels, but uh, 70% of older barrels also. And the, the Lemberger brings you always a bit more structure. You don't have to, to harvest too late the Lemberger because then when you have harvest too late, it, it turns into a, like a marmalade, marmalade character from the, from the fruit. Uh, so I, I like always also in the Lemberger, also in the Lemberger Chichi, I like to have um, always a fresh fruit. Um, but fresh, deeper fruit. That's that's for me the the, the part. Um, but you can feel in all my red wines. All my red wines, they they shows you always a little bit more of coolness. So that's always. Uh, it's not too high in alcohol. It's maybe twelve and a half to thirteen. 
not too high and uh, mm-hmm. so you get always a deep character deep structure but not uh, too too fat bodies to make uh, to have a big alcohol rate so it, i think in my my red wines you always taste the first the first loss and then you say okay let's do the second or the third <laughs> that's the bird you know for me all all of the great german red wines that i've had they have that there's still that underlying acidity do you ever find that maintaining acidity is a challenge with any of the wines or is it all through fermentation and good winemaking that you're able to maintain it. Yeah, so I think the, the acidity is, uh, so for the hot years, it's a, acidity will go a little bit more down. Uh, but I always say you can simulate the, the acidity also with a with a, a good right tannin structure. And, and so it's also, in my white wine, there is always, the acidity is always a bit lower, but you always can feel a tannin structure and the, the tannin structure can simulate your good acidity also. And uh, it shows you always a kind of freshness. So for me, my, my, my um, working with wines is always to, to keep the nature to work in winter. So always kind of lighter, lighter aromatic and, and always to, I work also with, with a cold maceration in front of fermentation that always is also a good part for you to show you the fresh aromatic in this, in these wines. So, and, and if you have to, the balance between the whole bunch, um, bunch fermentation, you always get a little bit more the, the fresher acidity mm-hmm. and the fresher tannin. So, um, you also make a red blend that has Dornfelder, Portugieser and Spätburgunder in it. Yeah. Working with those varieties like Dornfelder and Portugieser, what are the individual characteristics of those in the blend? So for me, for me, it's always the the both varieties uh, like or the the three varieties um, are always a bit kind of uh, lighter fruit, lower alcohol, uh, fresh fruit. Uh, but the Dornfelder keep brings you always um, Dornfelder brings you always a deep color, like a like more purple color. And uh, Portuguese brings you always a kind of freshness in this wine. And, and so it's both, both, uh, both varieties are lower in alcohol. And, and so, but the Donfelder brings you the color and the, the red wine character. And the Portuguese brings you always the kind of freshness and a little bit more acidity in this, in this wine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's always also low in alcohol, mm-hmm. also kind of more freshness, but also always shows you a more red wine mm-hmm. character. That's really cool. Well, um, what else would you want listeners in the United States to know about organic and biodynamic farming in Germany? Is there any anything you want to let people know? Yes, always. It's always the, the organic farming is always um, working and biodynamic farming is always working against the monoculture. You know, there's mm-hmm. a wine, vineyards are always monoculture uh, because the, you work with uh, permanent uh, culture and um, I think we, we are working, our thinking and our, our um, yeah, future will be always uh, to, to bring a biodiversity in the winter because it's really necessary to keep the insects, to keep the insects in the, in the whole area. And if you work with any food or drinks, what you keep, what you, which you, which you are eating or drinking. So there is so much from the chemical, from the chemical industries with the fertilizers or with the sprayings and so with the fungicides, there is so a lot of chemicals inside which go inside your wine and also inside your, your grapes. And so I think it's a little bit more healthy to drink organic wines or to eat organic food than the others. That's, that's the, the main part. So 
That's perfect for me. Yeah. Thank you again, Jochen. I appreciate it. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Thank you. Great to see you. Again, big thank you to Jochen for taking the time to chat with me during what is a very busy time of the year. Something to keep in mind as you purchase these wines retail. Johan referenced it in the episode, but um, when you see his bottles on the shelf, a white label connotes something that's an everyday, easy-drinking wine. Gray label is more of that premier crew-level wine, something a little more serious. And a black label will signify a Grand Cru or GG bottling. As he likes to say, his breakfast wines, his lunch wines, and his dinner wines. To learn more about Johann Buer's wines, you can visit Von Boden's website at V as in Victor, O, M as in Mary, B as in Boy, O, D as in David, E, N as in Nancy, dot com. That's V-O-M-B-O-D-E-N dot com. And if you want to dig deeper into the geography of Württemberg, go to German Wine USA. That was the first half of our two-part conversation on minimal intervention winemaking in Germany. For part two, I'm going to be chatting with importer Jenna Fields about German wine for a more big-picture perspective. She and I will discuss regional differences in farming as well as balancing tradition with spontaneity. To listen to that conversation as well as previous episodes, subscribe to By the Glass on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your audio. Uh, Thanks for listening. Keep drinking good wine, and we'll see you soon.